Hi everyone and welcome to episode 201 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Lauren. Hi guys. How are we doing today Lauren? Well, feeling good to be on the other side of 200. It's been crazy. Yeah, who knows what we'll be at at 300. I mean, the response to that episode, we weren't too sure how it was going to pan out because it was so different from anything we'd done before. Yeah. But it seemed like everyone really enjoyed the kind of the trip down memory lane, the flashbacks, no, the I reliving know. those moments. I know. We had so many tweets and stuff of old, old hosts like um, Spencer and Colin and uh, Chloe as well. And yeah, it was just nice to... Nice to sort of have that little moment, those little moments. Kyle um, also uh, oh, and Kyle, yeah. told, told the other half of our Japan story, which was, <laughs> yes, I did take us to the wrong hotel. But I would add another element to that story, Kyle. There were two hotels with the same name. And I wasn't told which one we were supposed to be going to. <laughs> but on top of that, you also had another experience. Was it with the Kitaze? Go was on. it with Kintaze that you played games? Or sorry, no. I forget what that was. There was there was another experience that you completely forgot about that Kyle mentioned. Oh mm. no. I've put you on the spot. I don't know what to sort of say because I can't remember the tweet. It's okay. We we will try and come back to that later if okay. we remember. I'm sorry. Because I need to run through today's show outline. You do. It's gonna be more of a standard outline today, I think. So we've got some news that we need to cover and we've got questions. So it's, they've been building up for a while and mm. we haven't had the chance to talk about them because E3 and the 200 episode celebration. So we're going to answer some questions today. Okay, that was it. It was E3 Hashimoto interview where they were late. You guys were late, but you still owned the interview. I believe that was for Front Mission Evolved. Oh, yeah. And... And I remember that actually because we went in there and um, we were the only people that really asked any questions. <laughs> of course. And always seemed to go that way at E3 for whatever reason. It does though. Like there's so many times where other people are just not not prepared. It's like, why like, are you they'll here? Just, they'll just kind of sit there and just be like, so what's your game about? And it's just like silence. Like they don't even do like the basic research. Granted, you know you you don't you can't really prepare for every game if you're seeing a lot of them. But it's just like just do a little bit of reading, a little bit of light reading. Although I think in defense, that game had not been announced before E3. Ah, so uh, maybe it was that's one of the true. it was one of the secret games that they hadn't done anything but about. But it is it was a sequ- that is like a sequel, isn't it? It's part of the Front Mission franchise. Yeah, mm. it was unexpected. It was thrown in. Yeah, well, back in those days, we used to get the, um, obviously, we would, we would be scheduling our appointments before E3 came out, or the or they released the, the kind of reveal of what they were going to be showing. But within our reveal behind the scenes, which would obviously not be, we'd kind of get in the trouble if we shared, um, we would have like unannounced game, secret game. Mm. So we wouldn't have any idea what it was, but we knew they were going to be announcing something that was was publicly unknown wow um and obviously so yeah we didn't know we didn't know what we were going to be going into the interview for do they but do that's that? still we still were able to ask questions yeah 
Although, do you think that they do you think that they would still do that now? I think they will be less likely to do it because of all the leaks that happen now. Because yeah. I mean, like they used to send that email out to all the press. Yeah. And back in those days, I think we were a bit more respectful of. Yeah, you had things. more integrity. But yeah, no. So um, yeah, we asked loads of questions, and then afterwards, he 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 came over to us specifically, Kyle and I. And was just incredibly thankful about the fact that we'd shown an interest in his game. Yeah. Because no one else had. No. We exchanged business cards as well. Oh, did you do the whole, like, the whole we tried, ceremonious? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you had to, like, put both hands down, push it forward. I love that. I love that they have, like, this whole little... Do I still have my business card collection? I can't remember if... Uh, I haven't. I have some in the some drawer. Of yeah. Some of yeah, the, uh, the prized possessions. I know. I know it's like your Dexter thing. It's just like you have just business cards towed away. Just not. You haven't killed them. Yeah. But (laughs) yeah, you just collected them as memories, as mementos. But yeah, um, before we get onto our news, which is our main thing we're talking about Mm. today after that big segue, we do need to do our Patreon shout outs, Lauren, for our executive producers. Yes. So I'm going to let you kick things off. Okay. We have Nahi Kablawi. Guide Seeker. Chris Morales. Michael Graham. Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Thorin Bullen at Massacre 23. Tori Patrick. Fires Bilal. Lewis James. Zach Duranto. Rachel Casterton at Urban Ray. Mohammed Kayum. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews at Doomster 73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trader J. Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Namejin. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Billy Jackson at Underscore Billy Jackson. Miles Ribbons. David Calrow. Chris Pope at Dr. Pop 181. Janik Nord at Janik Nord. Nick Moreland. Freya Stala. Hunter Morgan. Thank you all so, Thank so much. Thank you, guys. All right, so let's just dive straight into some news, Lauren. Okay. Because the first one is, I, I don't really know what to make of it. So Final Fantasy VII Remake was accidentally, and I'm saying that in quotes, accidentally, announced for Xbox One. Yep. How does something like that happen? Because it came from the official Xbox Germany channel. Yeah, I guess Germans just aren't as... I guess in Germany they aren't as uh, sort of... Um, they don't screen as much. <laughs> they don't... But like, they don't... Uh, it's, it's, it's such a weird situation. Yeah. So obviously Xbox Germany had to come out and issue a huge apology. Square Enix reiterated that they have no plans to release on anything other than the PlayStation 4. But mm. why would a, a video... Why, why would that like even happen by accident if there yeah. was no, like a, a lot of people have been saying there's no smoke without fire mm-hmm. because like how, how does that asset, how do those assets even exist yeah. if there's no intention at some point? Yeah. I mean, like that's a thing. Like it wasn't like it was some kind of journalist just sort of accidentally posting something that they've leaked out or something like that. It was an official console like uh, an official console representation on Twitter that releases information. And it's not just that. It's also that they said it was going to be releasing alongside the PS4 version on the 3rd of March. Yeah. I just, yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how how this happened unless, yeah, somebody was, it was planted or just what, but somebody must have i honest i don't know what to believe anymore deep fakes are ruining our lives 
I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like, there's it's just such a weird situation because, as you said, it wasn't like a journalist or it's not like a. It, it was obviously an accident, but it's just such a weird accident. Yeah, because it, it, if it's not releasing on Xbox, then they should have like nothing to sort of say at all. Like, why? Why are you guys talking about Final Fantasy VII remake? Like, who gave the authority to say? post about Final Fantasy VII Remake because obviously they should have some kind of screening process as to what they post up on Twitter. Yeah, and the fact that it came out accidentally just suggests to me that the scheduling was wrong or like, because as I said, that that those assets have to have been created by someone. Yeah. Unless like, you know, if they'd have come out and said like, you know, uh, someone internally uh, was being a, like playing a prank or they've got fired and they and this was kind of their parting shot or whatever, yeah. fine. But they didn't. They just came out and just grossly apologized for everything that happened. Yeah. And it's just such a weird situation. And it really is. Ultimately, whether or not it comes out on the Xbox One makes no real difference mm-hmm. to anything. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, the more people that can play the game, the better. Yeah. But but Final Fantasy does have the home on the PlayStation. It sells way better on PlayStation. And I think it would be naive of us to think that Square Enix, given what they are, who they are, how they've behaved in the past would not be thinking about releasing on Xbox One. Yeah, I know. But yeah, I mean, I guess you would hope that in this day and age, especially since Kingdom Hearts 3 was released on the Xbox One, that there would be, they would be open to it at some point to release it on the Xbox One. And they did, obviously, the original announcement was first on PlayStation 4. Mm. And... I yeah I mean I don't know what arrangement they have with Sony obviously they've they've been releasing a lot of PlayStation 4 games exclusively on like Square Enix have Nier Automata is another one um it's just World of Final Fantasy like they've there there have been a couple that have been PlayStation 4 exclusives yeah but Nier Automata came to Xbox 1 yeah and I expect the Final Fantasy 7 remake to come onto Xbox at some point because they just released Final Fantasy 7 on Xbox 1 yeah like, it makes sense for them to be doing that. I know. It's just, I don't know, like, yeah. As I said, there's, there's, in my opinion, there's no smoke without fire. Yeah. It seems like it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. It's just kind of when. Yeah. I, I, like, yeah, that's basically all we can really say on that one. <laughs> so our next story is about Final Fantasy fourteen. Yay! So, I mean, many of you guys know that we don't actively play the game, but Shadowbringers has launched. As much as I launched, would like to. Yeah, as much as me with... As much as we would like to. I'm really gobbling my speech today. <laughs> no, you're okay. Oh, man, what is going on with me? But yeah, as much as we would like to play it, like we did play it for a while, but it's just time, time restraints, uh, commitments we have. It's, it's just not really possible for us to fit it into our schedule. But yeah, we obviously not do without like to... giving up our sort of everything free time which <laughs> is very minimal we need to give up everything because that's the thing it like it needs consistency and it's commitment yeah and because you're paying so much to play it a year you want to yeah. feel like you're getting like the time in it i basically have to choose do i sleep tonight or do i play final fantasy 14 and i have to choose sleep because i have to be functioning <laughs> i have to be functioning for my kids i'm sorry i need some brain cells and left. for you and for me yeah but i but no i do i do love final fantasy 14 stuff and it seems like Shadowbringers is just like the best expansion ever like everybody's who's talking about it is saying how good it is yeah i mean it's the highest rated uh by critics is the highest rate 
the highest rated pieces of Final Fantasy fourteen content that's been released. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think someone on Twitter, it's actually like went a bit viral, but they, they yeah. highlighted the fact that Shadowbringers just, it's it completes the redemption arc. Like if it hadn't already, yeah. this is this is like really cements kind of how much Final Fantasy fourteen has grown because the original Metacritic score was 49. Which is really harsh. Like, I seem to remember you, Colin, and Nelson having, like, a really good time playing Final Fantasy XIV. It, it's difficult because I feel like with MMOs, and I remember having this conversation when fourteen launched, like, MMOs, when they release, are not good. Mm. They They have a framework, but the content is generally quite bare. Like, they're yeah. still kind of working their way into it and they have a lot of work to do that's the whole point it's a game as a service so there's yeah. going to be lots of improvements and final fantasy 14 came out at a weird time for mmos i don't think anyone really knew what was going to be happening about the future of them and final fantasy 11 was still doing quite well and they made in my opinion they made a mistake in that they tried so hard to basically have it as a spiritual successor to 11 in the hope that people would move over from one game to the other. So all of the races were the same. A lot of the systems were the same. And that, to me, worked against them because, like, I was was an 11 player and a lot of the people that were playing 14 when it first came out were 11 players. And we expected things to be done in a certain way because that's how they'd conditioned us to think about this game. And they just didn't like the map function just didn't work. Like there were many elements that just didn't work and they hadn't really got the balancing done or anything like that. But yeah, like I had, I had fun with it. And I, I remember it was, um, uh, sometimes I get a bee in my bonnet about certain things mm-hmm. and I, I saw that the game games press were really rounding on it. And like, it's something that does happen where, if if there's a game that they that has this the reputation then like it's just so and you see it with wider media as well like it's so yeah. easy to just like round on something yeah and then they can use it as a, a justification and say no like we're not always positive like you know this game was terrible like we said it was terrible and everyone else said it was terrible but it's like but it wasn't actually that badly what like many publications are giving it like twos threes fours it wasn't a four out of ten game. Like you and I, we've played enough games to know what a freaking one or two or three out of ten is. Like the game that we played ages ago, that Marvel superheroes game or whatever, that was a two or a three. But that was horrible, yeah. That's like a sort of commentary on the games on the games industry in general, like what justifies like a seven. It's I mean, it is so hard because like reviews are made for the sake of comparison yeah and how do you compare an mmo like obviously you want to try and compare the different mmos but like yeah i i played 11 a ton and i enjoyed 14 for what it was i could Mm. see like everyone who was playing the game could see that there were issues yeah but we knew there were going to be issues and though we knew that those issues were probably going to be fixed over time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we still had lots of fun. We played a load of hours into it. It broke my computer. I know. It, it made my PC catch on fire. And that see, was fun. like, he's speaking this positive, positively of it, even though it made his computer smoke. And I still went back to it afterwards. 
<laughs> it's so great. But yeah, no, I still remember that day. I think I had to Skype with, did I Skype with you on your phone Yeah, it's phone like this burning smell. And I was like, oh, it didn't work. No, I Skyped with you on your mini laptop, didn't I? Yeah, I Skyped with him on, he had like a my mini. My laptop, my netbook that was yeah, like your netbook. eight years old or something. Oh, it was so little. But yeah, I had to Skype with him on that because he was fixing his computer. But yeah, I remember like um, I, I'd obviously was it writing a lot of reviews around that time and I wrote a, a very extensive review about Final Fantasy at 14, basically saying like, this game is not as terrible as everyone is saying. There is a lot of positive elements to this game and I really wanted to try and highlight them. I believe I actually gave the game a 7 out of 10 mm. uh, in its original form. But obviously like, you know, Square Enix, because of all the negative backlash that was coming, not, I mean, I didn't really see too much negativity coming from the community. Most of it was being driven by the media. And then because there was such a constant narrative about this game sucks, this game sucks, this game sucks, people started to think, oh, this game sucks. Yeah. And then it started to build and build and build. And yeah. Square Enix obviously then decided that they had to do something about it. And to their credit, they did something about it. And yeah. like, A Realm Reborn came out, average review score 83, Heaven's Ward 86, Stormblood 87, Shadow Brigands is currently sitting at 92. One of the, I think that's the highest rated Final Fantasy game ever on Metacritic. Mm, don't know. I think 12 is the, 12 uh, hit over 90. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the only other one. Either way, it's really high. Yeah. For a Final Fantasy game, it's definitely really high. Um, but yeah, no, I hope you you guys are all having fun playing it. And there's um, new job classes. Actually, that's one of the things. Um, no, it's not job classes. I always get confused by this. It's just jobs, yeah. right? They added a new job that is is unique mm. to the to Final Fantasy 14, which is something they that when I spoke to Yoshida, what like almost two years ago now, they said they weren't ever really going to do because yeah. they had so many jobs that they could lean Choose on from, from the yeah. from the rest of the franchise that they didn't want to commit to making a new job. But technically, I mean, it's a bit of a cop-out to say it's a new job because it's basically the school class. Mm. I don't know if you know the... it's The the, um, the job's called Gunbreaker. Mm. They carry gun blades. Yeah. A lot of the moves are like Fated Circle, Rough Divide. Yeah. So yeah, and like they even... I think even some of the, the poses are similar to Squall's. They yeah. basically just put school in Final Fantasy fourteen and said, here's a new job. Boom. Done. Yeah. And then you also have the new races. Yes. You have the Viera and then you have the... What was the second one? I have it's... no idea. It's the one that looks like... All I know is that they look like King from um, Tekken. The little leopard heads. There you go. Which is pretty cool. There you go. Um, But yeah, no. It, it, yeah. It just seems fun. And then finally... We have some Final Fantasy Ten Three in the news. Like what? 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 It's just like just when everything goes quiet, they're just like Ten Three. By the way, uh, but yeah, basically uh, Yoshinori Kitaze spoke to Game Informer about Final Fantasy Ten, and he basically said that they chat about it a bit in the office every now and then. It comes up and they, they chat about sort Final of Fantasy Ten Ten Three. And um, there's no, it almost seems like there's plans to do it at some point, but there's no plans to do it soon. Yeah, it's. To, I mean, to be honest, it's it's such a weird situation because they did the audio drama 
They did the novel. They did those on the basis of gauging people's expectations around upcoming releases. It's yeah. a classic Square Enix tactic. Hashimoto came out a couple of years ago and s- talked about how they know there's all this demand and they really want to do something and basically saying that they're going to make a new game. Yeah, He's done the same since then. And now Katazi is kind of saying the same thing again that... We really want to make a 10-3. We talk about it casually in the office about what we could do with it. We haven't got anything concrete yet, but we have to wait until the 7 remake's done. Yeah. And I mean, that's fair enough because it's going to be a big undertaking for them to do that if they're going to do it properly. Um, I still think, though, that it doesn't need to be done in the way they think it does. Mm. If they just release 10-3 with the same assets as 10 and 10-2... People would buy that. People would like it. Very true. Very true. But yeah, I mean, what I've been seeing a lot of is the people sort of commenting on the novel and saying like, oh, why are they going to do this? Like Titus's head blew off. Like it's just ridiculous. Is the, are the novels canon? Um, I can't, they are canon though, aren't they? I think there's a... (sighs) From, from what I remember, they are canon. There's a big misconception around it because Najima had said something that mm. implied that maybe they weren't. Yeah. But they are. Yeah. Either way, though. I mean, the ending does leave you for quite a loop. Like, it's it's a bit of a cliffhanger at the end. So, I'm I'm excited to see how it ends. Like, I, I am. Um, but... Yeah, yeah, it's more than just it's more than just Titus's head blowing off. Great, thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> thanks for that. Okay, so now we're going to move on to some questions from the community. I said these have been building up for quite a while now, so some of them may be a month ish <laughs> old, but we're going to try and get through them as quickly as we can with as much detail as we can. So the first question is from Guideseeker, and uh, they wanted to know fan service aside. Are Square Enix afraid to tread uncharted waters? Most of their releases revolve around re-releases and remakes. Is this a sustainable model? Um, I think, you know, Square Enix of the past or Square of the past wasn't. They, like, tried everything. Every kind of thing that they could. They just kind of threw it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the issue with Square Enix is that they've been burnt a lot over the time over the years like when they've tried things that are a bit obscure i mean you just think about spirits within like they completely lost like a lot of money from that um and new ips they don't always do well i mean we're kind of seeing it with tokyo uh rpg factory like their games are like lost um lost fear was that the first one no uh, No. i am set to know I am Setsuna. Like, they just didn't... They didn't sell... Setsuna did really Setsuna well. Setsuna did well, but, like, they just don't... They don't do as well. So it's it's quite risky for them to do new IPs and stuff all the time. And so it's just... it's It makes more financial sense for them to release something that's going to work for them. I think the challenge they have um, is that, yeah, obviously when they were square, and I'm talking like in the 90s was when they were really, really at it. Yeah, they released so many different types of games. They had RPGs coming out of every single orifice. 
but they went into racing games, fighting games, like so many different types of things that you just wouldn't even expect them to be doing now. Yeah. The spirits within, yeah, it like, and I don't know who the driving force was behind all that creativity because I know Sakaguchi would have had certain degree to it to it but i don't know how far things stretched for him whether or not he was um part of like driving emotion x or, or driving emotion s or whatever it was called and like the um bushido blade like ergies like i don't yeah. know if he was part of like that side of things but he was definitely part of like chrono trigger and obviously final fantasy he was a big part of front mission was something else like they just but they just had so many different ideas coming out all the time that were unique as well because they yeah. had all these different creative minds who had a prominent voice who, and probably had the time yeah but they uh, but i don't know and i don't know why they've they've kind of lost that because you mm. had people like like matsuno who was making tactics games which was so different from anything else that was being made at square at the time Mm. um but obviously yeah the spirits within they put a lot of faith in sakaguchi it didn't pay off yeah and then um yuichi wada came in and had to had to fix it and like i guess the the whole thing is that they had to put on their big boy pants yeah and figure out how are we going to actually run a company like adults make it sustainable and so we don't have a repeat of what just happened and I mean, the rest of the video game industry has gone the same way. Uh, mm -hmm. Like Square Enix are just symptomatic of Capcom were exactly the same. Like Konami, like all of the, the big Japanese publishers have, have just been forced to do that because it's the only way they feel they can sustain themselves. And, you know, to answer your question about is it sustainable? Well, yes, because they're still around. Yeah, and but, they will still be. But is it sustainable for the industry? Like, is it good for the industry? No, not remotely because... Mm it's it's stifling that's it's the just problem a way for them like honestly it's a way for them to just make easy money and just low lower risk yeah because i mean like the 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 uh the wave of remasters like final fantasy 10 a remaster final fantasy 9 now final fantasy 8 remaster like they're just they just basically print money for them as a company but then it's like you'd say, okay, well, they're investing time and efforts into making those games. What are they actually doing with the money they're making? Yeah. Apart from paying shareholders, I don't know what they're doing with it. Me like, either. it's hard to actually see. And I, I guess the problem is that with Matsuda coming on board, he has tried to push them in ways. Like, he obviously greenlit the new Nier game, which was, was a... Was a a great thing for them like that was a game they didn't expect to do well did really really well he obviously like pushed into tokyo rpg factory they had um, studio ishtolia they tried to push into they tried to do luminous studios with tabata but they've closed all those things down really yeah um, tokyo rpg factory is is still going they have literally but, like recently just like put their their tail between their legs yeah, haven't they downsized everything uh they've Got realized that Baba. mobile games aren't really doing the business for them anymore and they're i think they're panicking a little bit about yeah. that the seven remake there's a lot riding on it but again it's a remake so it, it's it's hard and i think to your point about like the they do have these games like i am setsuna and stuff but then they don't market them 
Yeah. But the yeah, problem is the that they can't thing. market them because they, they have to focus their efforts on the games they think are going to do the best for them. I know. Which is then the... It's basically a self-fulfilling prophecy. And yeah. I remember probably about six or seven years ago, I did a an editorial piece about the exact concept because I just saw so many times publishers releasing games that were just destined to fail and I was just thinking, like, what's the point of this? There was, a, I remember, I think it was Konami released a game called Never Dead. Mm. And yeah, that was so cool. It's like, yeah, cool like where, where, yeah, like you, your character basically like couldn't die in a way. Yeah, like limbs he just fell falls off, apart. and you had to like bring him back together and stuff. And I was like, I've saw literally no marketing for it. No. And then of course it did really badly in sales, and then they're just like, well, you know, this is our justification for why we don't develop new ips and it's like well if you actually just marketed the game polished it a bit better made it a little bit better yeah then maybe you can create something new well it's also interesting and um i know we yeah uh but we see it in the simple app game dev story like daryl and i used to really play this game a lot when we were first dating um and it's an iphone game and uh, you basically start up your own little games development company. And what we found was that once we got into a certain genre, we just kept making the same games over and over again because that was what was getting us money. And then we kept improving upon that game. And then we just, yeah, made loads and loads of money on it. And that's how we leveled up. That's how we got our development studio to but it's be like, good. I'd say that's what Square were like because they found that RPGs worked for them. Yeah. They were good at making RPGs, but they didn't just say, okay, we're only going to make Final Fantasy. Yeah. They said, okay, we're going to make Chrono. We're going to make Bahamut. We're going to make um, like uh, Radiant Dreams. There was Front Mission as well. Saga games. Um What's the other one? Uh, I'm blanking now. It's, uh, Mana games. Mm. Like they went to so many different genre, like what's like subgenres. They created subgenres. They had so many different concepts. Like because Chrono was very similar to the SNES Final Fantasy games, but it was also very different. Mm. They built upon the concepts. They allow people to say like, okay, so here's things you can use. Here's assets you can use. Go and do your own thing. Like I don't know why. I'm not a game developer, so that's yeah, probably yeah. why. But I don't know why. Like they wouldn't say, okay, Final Fantasy 15. We just spent so much time working on that game. Why don't we make a another RPG using very similar assets that, when someone else could tell a completely unique story, mm-hmm. that would surely save them a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But, oh but it's well. just it's just that thing. They don't really have the. I don't know if they don't have the trust. They don't have the visionaries mm. because you see, like Platinum Games. They make so many different types of games. Yeah. And they and it doesn't seem like there's a lack of creativity in those kind of companies. And it's the same as Tango Gameworks, the people that make The Evil Within. They've made different types of games. They're not afraid to experiment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, this next one is from Pokemon Trainer J, who asks, uh, with Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy introducing cooking... Would you buy a cookbook based on the games? Uh, Have you tried to cook anything you've seen in the games? I actually did try to make sea salt ice cream. I wasn't able to try it because I wasn't sure if I was able to have it, actually. 
because it's made with egg whites. And at the time when I made them, I just wasn't really thinking about that. And I was pregnant and I wasn't sure if I was allowed to have egg whites in that form. Um, so I didn't get to try them. And then we just tossed them away because they got too old. And I was really sad. But that was probably my only experience that I've had making uh, something from a video game. There is, of course, the Ignis cookbook, the the fan-made one. Yeah, that's really good if you can find that one. But we haven't tried anything from it. No, I've been wanting to, but no, I haven't. And on that note, Mandelbrot asks, what would Materia pizza taste like? Um, I guess it depends on the type of Materia, right? Yeah, I hope it tastes like a cheese pizza, because that's what I like. But you never know. I imagine it would probably be quite toxic. Yeah, probably. Spicy. Spicy. Uh, and then Vanta Black 1900 asks, how do you feel about Final Fantasy 11 um, and 12? Seems like those games have the lowest presence and popularity. Do you know why? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Boom. Uh, I mean, it basically goes around to the fact that they're just so different from the other mm-hmm. games. Final Fantasy 11 was when they were trying their hardest to bring Final Fantasy into an online setting. But unlike Final Fantasy 14 Around Reborn, they didn't really latch onto the elements that made Final Fantasy Final Fantasy. Yeah. It's very similar. Because, I mean, Final Fantasy XI was also conceived by Sakaguchi in the same time period that he did The Spirits Within. And obviously, anyone who's watched The Spirits Within knows that there are loose concepts that tie it to the franchise. But it's also a very different interpretation of it. Yeah. And Final Fantasy XI was was very similar to that. So they obviously had jobs. Uh, they had diff- like similar magic spells. They had similar enemies. But there were, I'd say that the, the, the relate, it, it could easily have been a completely unique game that had nothing to do with Final Fantasy. Yeah. It, I mean, like, and many, uh, weirdly enough, many of the people that I knew that played Final Fantasy XI through the game were not fans of Final Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we sort of had the same thing with 14 now as well. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm of the, I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of 12. I just it's it's not it's not one of the games that I'm just like, "Oh my god, I want to pick this up right now and replay it." I just I don't really have much of the desire to play Final Fantasy 12. But that's because it was not made by the same team that had made the previous 10 games. Like Matsuno had not been part of the Final Fantasy franchise really. He'd obviously done Tactics. Then he did Vagrant Story afterwards. Yeah. Um, and it was the first one that Sakaguchi hadn't really been involved with. They'd kind of said, okay, Matsuno, you do your thing. Uh, and obviously people that like Tactics and Vagrant Story, they are very much in tune with what Final Fantasy Twelve is about. But those who liked 7, 8, and 9, and 10, it was a complete change of pace. Like It was such a different type of game than anything that had come before. And obviously then that's when we started going down the whole route of what does Final Fantasy really mean? Because then 13 changed it again and 14 changed it and 15 changed it. And it's why like it's created this weird situation where you have pockets of the fan base who like each of the individual games for what they are, but there's no real relation to the rest of the franchise and those games. Yeah. So I'd say that's why. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think you hit it on the head. Okay, so that's pretty much wraps everything up. If you've got questions to ask, then head over to the Discord server and shove them in the appropriate channel. So our music today is from Final Fantasy VIII. It's a a pretty quaint 
remix of Fragments of Memories by B. Gevko. I guess that's how you say his name. I'm not too sure. Sorry if you're listening for on the off chance. Um, But yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy listening to that. The next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 30th of July. Be sure to check out all our news coverage on the main website. And of course, if you'd like to support us, then you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash ffkhunion. All right, guys, time for us to say goodbye. Thank you, everyone. Bye. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production. <laughs>